It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Football Social Awards 2019. Happy Christmas and welcome to the Football Social Daily 2019 Awards. I'm Jim Salverson. In the studio with me today, we've got Steve McNaughton over there. Hey, Jim. Joe McGraw over there. Hello. Ant McGinley right here. Making a triple muck. What? There's a triple McNaughton, McGraw. Oh, McGinley. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely, weird done. Phrase. Nicely done. Yeah. You'll notice if you're watching on the video that's online that Ant is wearing a full three-piece suit because I told him that we were all dressing up for the awards today. <laughs> 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 Legit, you've got a Christmas jumper on. Joe looks like he's just walked yeah, out of a shift at McDonald's. Yeah, I'm so tired. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just... I mean, at least he's got a jacket on, but yeah. it looks like he's basically he's gone on a date and his mum's gone. You're not going out like that. Put something on. <laughs> I'm just doing me job (laughs) (laughs) right let me explain how the football social 2019 awards is going to work this is a little look back over the year in football the good the bad and the ugly we're going to run rule over everything that's happened we're going to look forward to 2020 as well there's a load of different categories for this and each of you are going to make a nomination in each category and argue why your nomination should pick up the award i will then act as the judge I will pick a winner for each category, and whoever gets the most nominations getting the gong through to the final, then they win the overall competition. All right? Like okay. it. What's yeah. the prize? There's no prize, Steve. Okay. Oh. Uh, it's like, um, it's like finishing Pride. fourth. Pride. Pride is the prize. So the first... Ca- a suit for the- can I at least do a speech? If you win, you can do a okay. speech. That's the prize. Right. All right, so we're going to kick off with the very first award of 2019, and it is the Fair Play Award. And I'm not meaning a lack of fouls on the pitch. I'm meaning the person that's made you sit back and go, fair play, lad, fair play. So who is your 2019 nomination for the Fair Play Awards? Steve McNaughton, you can go first. <laughs> uh, so uh, just uh, going back to the comments made before we come on air about being uh, you know, prepared for this. <laughs> my, It might not surprise uh, a lot of people, but my nomination is uh, Martello. Basler. It does surprise me because it's not Jurgen Klopp, and I thought every single nomination on this would be some kind of Liverpool basis from you. Well, when I've sent my nominations into you before, I'm pretty sure there's some surprising stuff in there. But we'll start with this, and it goes back to the game that they had with Aston Villa last season, uh, where uh, there was a, a lead taken when Villa had a player down and the ball wasn't kicked out of play, and remarkably, what what uh, you know Bielsa has done is he's ordered his Leeds United team to let Villa score and equalise, and he was pretty adamant that that's what should have happened. And I just thought, he gets a lot of stick, that guy, for being a bit wacky, and obviously you've got to, he's good at spying, and um, <laughs> he's got a decent network of people out there that you can rely on. But I just think that was a superb gesture, and it's something he didn't really need to do, but in the interest of sport, and for the greater good of the game. Got that cliche, Bell? <laughs> and um, 
I thought it was brilliant and, and you know, massive round of applause for, for Bielsa for instructing his Leeds United team to do that. Bielsa is a good shout and I thought you were going to nominate him purely for the fact he is clearly a bit of a footballing bastard. Yeah, and I sits that, on hot coffee. I, I, thought, I thought that Spygate thing was going to be the reason for his nomination, which I think is equally as good a shout because it wasn't just the fact he got caught spying on, was it Derby County? It was Derby County, He got County, caught spying yeah. on, but it was the fact that afterwards he went, yeah, I do it, I do it all the time. And just showed a PowerPoint presentation to back up why he did it. It's like I thought the absolutely balls on that man is brilliant. It was the equivalent of being caught in bed with someone else by your girlfriend and then sitting her down and explaining why it happened and how it happened. <laughs> yeah. right? And then just saying, so what's the problem? And then getting These up and shaking benefits. hands and walking off. <laughs> Good game. But yeah, just superb. And I think, you know, in, in, a, in a world where teams will do anything to get an advantage over an opponent... I think that was really refreshing to do and I think that's something that um, won all manner of awards and quite rightly so. And I think that would be my nomination. So I don't know how you guys feel about it. And actually quite reminiscent of a man who actually won the Fair Play Award a fair few years back. I think it was 994. Paolo Di Canio picked it up because there was a player injured on the pitch. I think it was against Leeds, actually. It was against Everton, Everton, was it? And yeah. the ball got crossed in, and instead of heading it in like he he's, should have done, like a proper it. footballer, he caught it and then was like, he's injured, Leeds down. Yeah. Yeah. the same Paolo Di Canio that basically assaulted the referee and pushed him <laughs> across the pitch. Have you seen, I mean, I know there's a couple of years between us, not many years, but have you seen that video of Paul Alcock, I believe his name was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Getting pushed over by Paul. You mm. won't, because you wouldn't have been born yes. then. But, <laughs> you know, it was really Paul The best thing about that video is it's the perfect weight of push. We often talk about the perfect weight of pass, but he manages to push him so that the referee he staggers back for about seven seconds yeah. before he actually Waving falls. his arms around yeah. as well. Right, so Bielsa is Steve's nomination. Joe McGrath. Uh, I'm going to go with, and as soon as you said, what is your fair play nomination? I thought of this man straight away. Um, I'll go with Jamie Vardy. Just Ooh. his whole 2019. So it's not necessarily a moment. It's necessarily Jamie Vardy as, as a player, a fair play player. Because I think Jamie Vardy, you know, uh, has been a consistent striker throughout. But his 2019 season has kicked off in style. The guy is still doing it. And why I think it's unbelievable is because he has to have Rebecca Vardy as his wife. <laughs> after all that's still going on, after all that's still going on, after the, the, the incredible tweet uh, from Colleen Rooney, uh, there's, a lot ma- uh, uh, there's a lot on that man's plate. You can't plate. miss this story, Steve. There's you a must lot, know what Joe's talking about. I, I do, know what you're talking I about, don't you? I just think that Joe might have missed the point. <laughs> Fair play. It literally says in the email, what have you seen this year? And just thought, fair play. And I've seen Jamie Vardy go on that pitch, <laughs> bag, nine, uh, bag 16 goals and three assists for Leicester already. So he's only 10 goals off his all-time top scoring uh, season for Leicester. Uh, and that uh, is something that is when they won the league. So I'm thinking, Jamie Vardy, fair play. It's a yeah, solid I'm, nomination. And the reason, I like it, the reason I like it as a nomination is Jamie Vardy's a player that I've looked at for the last three years and gone... He's gonna go back to being rubbish any yes. minute now. He's gonna playing for non eaten. Yeah, he's like he drinks blue wicked. He's chews tobacco. He's not a professional. His celebrations when he way. scores are bizarre, like when he did the bird. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Not go up the other end and score a goal. That's a load of shit. Fair no, play, not. Jamie Fardy, well, for being who he is. Do you know what I do? I actually blame Jim for this. I think Jim's at fault for our disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think when he's briefed us before, he's been quite clear enough about what he expects. <laughs> right. And who's your final oh, nomination go. in the fair play category? Um, so I'm going to look at the Premier League as a whole okay. and I'm going to uh, nominate the man who's just taken the role as chief executive of the Premier League. Before, I was going to say, before you say his name, I want to know if anyone else in the room knows his Never name. Never heard of I him. I wouldn't have got it. So, basically, Richard Masters was put in temporary charge. So, Richard Scudamore stepped down, mm. and there was all that controversy about, uh, despite being on quarter of a million a year, then they were like, oh, we want to give him a nice thank you for his 20 years hard work, because he's only earned, you know, like, millions of pounds off us. Every club in the Premier League has to pay uh, a certain amount of money towards Half a million this. quid. Half a million quid over three years. So, the clubs that got relegated last season from the Premier League... They'll continue to pay whatever happens when they come back up on that over the next two years towards Richard Scudamore's golden handshake. Why is, uh, that, the, why is that fair? Just, just because it, it, it was, I don't know. Cause... No, I think, I think the next bit's the fair play bit. Yeah, so so the fair play bit is this. So, fair play to him for getting half a million. How'd you do that? Now, now, that was last year, so so unfortunately Scudamore doesn't qualify for it. Now, they announced Susanna Dinage, or Dinage, was it, that was going to come in and take over that role. However, um, she stepped down even before she'd started the role. And so they had a bit of a panic, a bit like we're seeing at some clubs at the minute where they didn't have a ready-made replacement. So they got Richard Masters to step into temporary control. Just said, can you just run things for a little bit? And he's like, yeah, fine. I'll run things. Don't worry about it. I'll just, I'll just look after everything until you get it sorted. 
So then they went out and they looked for it, and you had this other chap that came in. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I can even say why he stepped down from the job. No, you but, can't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so just say Dave. <laughs> so they offered Dave the job. They announced the job. Dave was going to take the job. And again, before he started the job, he didn't get it. And so what's happened now is Richard Masters, the man who was in temporary charge, has been given the job. And I'm thinking, you know what? I reckon what's happened here is he's played a blinder, right? So fair play to him because he's done like some kind of Game of Thrones politics and he suddenly found himself and he's gone, hey, I've got the big job here. It's like, what, quarter of a million a year plus five million when I leave? I was like, I'm having this. I'm going to keep this as long as I can. And so I wonder if he's just used a little bit of tricks and negotiation to just manipulate things so that he stays in the job. Whatever, whatever way it's worked out, I'm not making accusations, but whatever way it's worked out, Fair play to him for mm-hmm. stepping in to lend a hand and earning a nice little crust. I see what you're suggesting. It's kind of like when you step in as maternity cover for someone and then spend every day on the phone to the person you're covering going, are you enjoying being a mum? It must be so nice having all that time <laughs> off. You just take a little bit longer off. Yeah. It's that kind of scenario. Do you know what? I think out of those three nominations, I'm going to give it to Joe with Jamie Vardy. <sighs> it's I think, true, Ridiculous. Think, ridiculous. Ant's suggestion is full of legal implications that we can't go into. <laughs> and I think Joe just described Jamie Vardy very well. And just for just for having Rebecca Vardy as a wife, he deserves some recognition <laughs> yeah, for it's... putting up with that. So fair play to him. So Joe I'm gets outraged. the early lead. <laughs> Sorry, Marcello, we tried. Marcello, just whatever. Right, second award of 2019 goes is the Under the Radar Award. So this is someone who you think hasn't quite got the recognition they deserved in 2019. Steve started last time, so Joe, you can kick this one off. I'm going to go with my Under the Radar Award 2019. Chris Smallin, uh, City South Down, everyone. Chris Smallin, uh, who's, <laughs> who's gone to Roma and done actually pretty well for Roma. It is sad that you looked at Chris Smallin in the United squad. He didn't really have a place, or, or, or his place was under a lot of tarnish by the fans. Uh, and, you know, he did actually want to play for Manchester United, but the, the board and, and an offer coming in from Roma meant that he went out there and he started playing for, for an Italian club. And all of his life, he's known the Premier League. Uh, if he's done well or not, who knows? But now he's gone to Syria. I know. <laughs> not. Yeah. And it was just uh, some little stats around here. Up to October the 29th, he had 100% of his tackles were won in both Syria and the Europa League. This is stats that I've read uh, in this sort of um, preparation for this uh, show. I just think that Chris Moore has gone under the radar as a solid centre-back for Roma. Uh, they're doing pretty well in, in the league. and not up to the heights of Juventus, uh, unfortunately, and they would probably will win the title. But to go to another country and do pretty well for them and, you know, serve some people wrong. Sometimes uh, I've seen United fans actually tweet that they want him back in the Manchester United squad. So he's gone under the radar. Fair play to him for still doing that. But, um, yeah, that's my one, Chris Smalling. Is it a lack of recognition for Chris Smalling or a lack of recognition of how bad United were in the first half of 2019? Bit of both, Jim. Bit of both. I think a lack of recognition for how... Bad United were, but they were made a bit worse by some Chris Smalling performances. <laughs> He's gone to Serie A, and who knows, he could get himself back into the United squad. I have to say, it's a decent nomination, but considering you have to look at 2019 as a whole, and he's only really performed for the second half of 19, yeah, yeah, I think true. you've left a bit of an open goal for Ant, who's going to make his nomination next. Oh, they've just done kind of exactly the same thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about a, a man who's only really come to a lot of people's attention in May of this year, when he was given his first job in the Premier League. But he's somebody that a lot of people will have known about, especially if you're an Arsenal fan going back a few years, and that is Brighton and Hove Albion manager Graham Potter. Right Now, he was managing Ostersund, which is the correct way to pronounce it. And uh, you may remember a few years ago, he beat Arsenal in the Europa League with that Swedish minnow team when Arsenal were actually quite difficult to beat. It's not like beating them now. Although he has just beat them a few weeks ago hmm. with, with his Brighton... Arsenal haven't been difficult to beat league. since... The turn of the decade, <laughs> the 2000s. Yeah. You know, he, he did beat them when, when they had Wenger in charge rather than the, the Muppets. The yeah, true. Um, now, what I really like about what Potter's done at Brighton is he's actually made them a team that people are really thinking about when they're going to play against. They're playing some really good football, some really interesting stuff. Well, he went to Old Trafford recently, Joe, I think you were at the game, and he played two up front against United. Now, it didn't work out there, but I, I like that. I like the style, I like the confidence that he's got. And what he's doing there is he's bringing players that haven't really performed at other clubs. And whatever he's doing, 
He's bring wait, you see this coming. Whatever he's doing, he's go. bringing these players together, right? And he's getting the best out of them. He's weaving some magic. That's right. Potter is weaving magic. Ah. And this is why I think he's gone under the radar is because they're not making enough of that comparison. If I was in charge of the fan club at Brighton, I would be making sure that all the home fans were coming, not just in the shirts, but having Hogwarts capes over, those little John Lennon glasses on as well, and celebrating the wizard that is Graham Potter. I struggle with this because I'm not sure I can take Graham Potter particularly seriously. There's a comedian called Rob Rouse who says a brilliant way to judge someone's character is imagining them holding a drink of some kind. And whatever drink you imagine them holding that kind of fits, that's how you reflect their character. And Graham Potter, for me, is holding a can of skull. <laughs> He's yeah. just kind of standing there. He doesn't look old enough rain, to hold a can of skull. Drinking a can of skull. So I'm not sure it quite counts. And also, you clearly suggested Potter just so you could get the Harry Potter joke in there. It did. Well, Steve, it's all for you. You can, you can just tuck this one away. Yeah. Under the Radar nomination, 2019. Wave his magic wand there. Okay. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, my uh, Under the Radar nomination is for Chris Wilder and Sheffield United. Um, I think, first and foremost, let me qualify this by saying not only did they achieve automatic promotion from a very, very difficult league to get out of in April, May this year. I don't know the exact week of the season that they did it, but it was towards the end. Um, he's come up and he's made some shrewd signings. He's managed to get Henderson back in from, from Man United and goalie, who I really rate as a goalkeeper. Mm. And he's, they've took the Premiership by storm and they've been a breath of fresh air. You know, Sheffield United, uh, you're in for the game when you go and play them. And they've, they've had some notable results this notable, he's me to say, results this season. And they found themselves seventh in the table, uh, you know, on a modest budget on a, with a British manager. And they've, uh, you know, they've won more games than they've lost in the Premier League, which I think is a great achievement for them. And I think, you know, Viva Sheffield United. I think, you know, well done, lads. It's, it's, a, you know, privilege to have you with us. And, um, and I hope you get more results. And I mean, it'd be out of this world if they could get into the Europa League. But we shall see what happens. But I think Chris Wilder and Sheffield United for me. It's a great shout, and not just because they've done well in the Premier League, but because everyone, myself included wrote them off at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. Everyone said they I were... didn't. I did not. What did you say? I, I predicted they were going to come top 10. But you also predicted Billy Sharp would be their top goal scorer, I think, didn't you? Oh, well, Billy Sharp gets an, gets 12 goals, I think. He'll have got 100 goals for Sheffield United. Still possible. Not it's this not season. I also think there's something in that Chris Wilder's underrated because still you hear pundits saying that Sheffield United play agricultural basic football like in the guise of Burnley whereas anyone who's actually seen them play at any point knows they play really good attacking slick football but what's quite interesting for me is that there's a there's a high profile appointment coming to Merseyside in the next day or so as we know with, with Carlo Ancelotti now Everton are 16th in the table why not look at someone like Chris Wilder you know to go in and do that and do a job for him he's done it on a modest budget small club and, you know, he's not going to go out and kind of spank 50 million, 60 million quid on players, I don't think. He's just going to get a group of players, motivate them and get them to achieve what people don't think is possible. So I think, you know, for me, I, I think he's a shoo-in for it and I, I'd be annoyed if one of these two reprobates win this Well, round. I think there was a creeping inevitability to that one, like Liverpool's march to the Premier League title this yes. year, that Steve has got that one. Under the Radar Award goes to Chris Wilder of Sheffield United, and that's a point to Steve. Oh, You're welcome, Chris. You're looks welcome. Like, looks like he wore this suit for nothing. <laughs> right, next. Flop of the year, 2019. It's your turn to go first on this one, Ant. You know, I've got something. Can, can I... Do I have to just do one? Because I've got like seven I could do. Here. Yeah, Jesus. <sighs> so... I could do whole teams in Spurs and Watford. I could do a player in Sanchez. Uh, and I could even do the whole of VAR. But I'm going to go for Marco Silva. And there's two reasons I'm going to go for Marco Silva of Everton. First of all was, this is one prediction I did get wrong. Uh, at the start of the season, I predicted Everton were going to break into the top six. Yep. And I, I looked at the, the players that they already had, the players that they brought in, and... I fell into that trap that everyone's done for the last three seasons. Gone, gone. Everton's had the best transfer window. Yeah. They bought, they bought some great <laughs> players. They bought some great, t great talent in there. There was other talent like Andre Gomez. Obviously, he's had that unfortunate injury. But even, even before that injury, just things did not gel. You've got England's number one goalkeeper who still looks really dodgy at the moment. Because of his little arms. Yeah, <laughs> weird save the other night ah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. 
I, I just didn't get it. Like, Moyes Keane, I was really excited about him coming in mm. uh, as a player. Then Silva didn't seem to play him at all. Then Ferguson played him, put him on for like 10, 12 minutes, and then took him off. Which was uh, disgusting. Yeah, and this is after as well. I don't know if you saw the video. When they signed Moyes Keane, his mum came over because I think he wasn't old enough to sign the contract, something like that, and they presented his mum with an Everton shirt yeah, as well. We're going to look after him. Obviously, they mean I'm going to look after you in that threatening sense. Um, so that was the first reason that, that Silva was a bit of a flop because he just didn't perform. But the second reason why he was a bit of a flop was I was convinced that this guy had something over everyone and was unsackable. Because when you actually start to look at his record, like, you know, everybody seems to want him, but then he doesn't seem to perform. Like, he came in at Hull, and I think we, we talked about it on the podcast before, like, he, he got them relegated well, if there's such a thing. You know, mm. the, he, he did a good performance. He went to Watford, underperformed there, and then he came to Everton as well. And it just seemed to be that Everton could go out and lose every week and lose badly and underperform and underperform and underperform and nobody knew what they were talking about, what they were playing like. And he just wouldn't go. And I was convinced that he had something on everybody to the point where <laughs> Everton could have got relegated, they could have got kicked out of the city of Liverpool, the club could have gone out of business and he would have still been in the job. So he managed to even flop at being a flop and getting sacked as well. So Marco Silva is my nomination. It's a flop great shout. I it's think, a great I think shout. it's a very strong shout, that answer. The thing that yeah. concerns me about it slightly is you might remember when Marco Silva was appointed by Hull. There was a great big rant from Paul Merson on Sky Sports who said, who's this guy? What's he done? What's he won? I could win the league with Olympiacos. Why don't they go for a young British manager? And kind of what's happened since then and him getting sacked by Everton and sacked by Watford and getting Hull relegated has kind of proved Paul Merson's point. <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to live in a world where Paul, Paul Merson's right. Well, which... He's been quite vocal about Arteta, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Joe, you can go next on this one. Flop uh, of the year 2019. Oh, my flop, the flop of 2019 is Virgil van Dijk's Ballon d'Or chances. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm going to go with this. Um, all set to be the, the, last, the next Premier League player to win the Ballon d'Or since... Uh, Ronaldo did it uh, under Sir Alex Ferguson when we won the Champions League. Uh, unfortunately, pipped to the post by Messi, who who was nowhere near a Champions League trophy. I mean, thanks to Virgil van Dijk, I suppose. It's just another one of those things. It was the build-up was fantastic for it. It was he's going to win. You know what could you do? The stats were flying about the place about he's the, you know, the second coming. But in terms of the the, the ceremony itself, there's only going to be one man. It was his sixth Ballon d'Or. Unfortunately, Virgil van Dijk might have to wait another year or so to nah, win. No, that was his so, chance to win it, I think. So the the flop there for me was the build-up. That There was a lot of United City fans wondering how they were going to cope if Virgil van Dijk did win the league, uh, win, win the Ballon d'Or, sorry, uh, and uh, sadly he didn't make it. So that's what It I was only thought. six points in it as well, wasn't there? No. no. You know, it was extremely close, but I think that was his chance to do it. I think... I have a whole view on, you know, the whole... The fact that if you look at the kind of draws that... Barcelona got in the Champions League this year, you know, versus kind of Real Madrid for, for yourselves and Atletico mm. for, for Liverpool. Um, I think it was let's not upset little Lionel, uh, you know, and let's kind of make sure that he wins that award. And I just, I just don't buy it. I think that if you're from another club outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona, I think you're going to struggle because I think if Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus doesn't get a proper looking, I think it says some. I think the whole thing is a farce. Although, who would you rather have in your team, Messi or Van Dijk? I think a lot of teams would rather have Van Dijk I'd have because you build a Van Dijk defense. in in the uh, Liverpool team. Yeah, absolutely. you're talking absolutely <laughs> out your ass, <laughs> out your backside. Not Man's really. got over no. fifty goals for Barcelona. Yeah, but look, uh, uh, a team that needs. I'd rather to, so a team of United who, who say your defense is pretty shocking. Yeah, you can see yeah. three uh, to, yeah. to Sheffield. You see a couple uh, home to Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Yeah. I'd still put that man up front because right. I don't give a shit who's at the back. You need to score goals to win games. Good yeah. job, you're not relevant anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, as well, the thing is, look at look at Van Dijk's got another what seven years playing probably. He's 25, isn't he? Yeah, it? another another seven years at a high level. Whereas Messi is coming towards the end of his career. You may be going to get another another 18 months out of him. Are you both going to get another 18 months? You're going to get about three to four one, years out. Of him. Think, no, I don't think it's, I don't think he's he's the specimen that Ronaldo is. Is he? No, you know to be he's fair. Different but I just think that for me it'd be Van Dijk because we've got you know Salamane and Firmino up top, and I think we're, we're I, set. I think the difference for me is Messi 
is a genius on the pitch, but Van Dyke makes the players around him better. So you're going to say, I feel like I going to say Van Dyke's a genius in the bedroom. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like that's not the Troy Dean, he says he smells very, very nice. This is a very weird Christmas special <laughs> awards. I have to say, Joe, though, it's a bit of an indictment of where Manchester United are compared to Liverpool, when the only thing you have over Liverpool in a season is the fact that one of their players didn't win the Ballon d'Or. Well, well technically they did, because Alisson got goalkeeper, didn't <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right, Steve, final nomination for flop of the year. So I I was, I, I sent you two before, and, yeah. and the one that I'm going to go with. One's going to win, and the other one won't, basically. I'll tell <laughs> yeah, you that much. If you go for the so one, I think you're going to I'm going to go for VAR being the, being the, the flop of the year because it is an answer. absolute <laughs> disaster. Every single weekend we're, and, and midweek, we're seeing incidents that are questionable. We're seeing the process. Uh, you know, being littered with confusion. We're seeing referees instructed some weekends to go easy on it, and we're seeing referees not consult the screen at the side of the pitch when when calls are very tight. I think, and also when I, when I add into that, and I'm trying to summarise as quickly as I can with it because obviously I think we could do a series of ten podcasts on VAR, oh, couldn't God, we? Yeah. Um, the t- it seems to be getting longer as well to get to the decisions. We've had a couple of weeks where it was one four minutes at the weekend. Yeah, and there was also one where the game had kicked off again before they announced the results. Almost yeah. as if they just like they just got bored with it and just like, let's just play on. <laughs> like, we're just going to ignore it now. We'll work yeah. out the score at the yeah. end. <laughs> and I think that you know the whole thing is farcical. I think you know the, the, some of the managers are, are clamouring for change to it already, and I just think we we implemented it too quickly because I don't think we thoroughly tested it enough and got all the like kinks out of the way, if you like. If you look at the, the cricket model, the rugby league model, um, you know they've got it to a T, the, the way that they do it, and it's nice and quick, and you know they're not messing about words. It just feels really clunky. It's not massively wanted by you, you know across the board, and I just think it's been, a, you know, even though we're in on the 17th of December, uh, I think it's probably been a season of failure for it unless something dramatically happens. So for me... I'm not a fan. I don't think it's welcome in the game. I think it's littered with problems and I don't see any end to them on the horizon. It's been absolutely shambolic. And what gets me about VAR this season is I almost would have admired it more if the Premier League had gone, implemented it on day one and then not made any changes as it developed through the season and not kind of made changes to the way the referees handled it or the way they reviewed decisions, but they kind of altered it on a week-by-week basis and given new criteria and new instructions to referees which you wouldn't do in any other aspect of the game. Mm. You wouldn't go, well, we're going to try this thing where we have even bigger goals on day one, and then we're going to make them little five-a-side goals on the match day two. It just wouldn't happen in yeah. any other scenario. But they're just chopping and changing with VAR, which just proves the point. It's not right, and it should it's have not, never and, happened in the first place. And you've got, uh, I mean, I, I believe that they're in uh, Stockport, aren't they, the guys that are looking at, uh, on, on the screen? Aren't they? Stock, Stockley Park, not Stockport. If you were in Stockport, I'd go over right now and have a word. <laughs> you know when Stockley. you're carrying six, zoning and out of conversation. But, you know, if I take an incident at the weekend, if you look at, like, uh, Lindelof's own goal at the weekend, I guess you How's that not a foul on Daya? Mm. You know, the guy's got his arm kind of in his face. and I, you know, the, the, the thing is, I think that this is the generational thing that's going on as well because you go back 15, 20 years, there's no way that's a foul. Right? No, I, yeah. I so agree. The game is yeah. So I think a lot of it depends who's looking. If we could hear that communication. What, if you've got a fetus yeah. watching? Yeah. <laughs> but no, my, my, my big problem with it is, is it really reminds me of when I first went and started going to games. And my first game was 1990, 91, I went to see, at Main Road, City against Aston Villa. And I came out of the game and I was like, that's the best game of football. I can't believe we won 5-2. And we'd won 2-0, right? <laughs> and it was because it was the first time I'd been to a game without commentary and without the score and without replays. So every time I saw the ball go in the net for whatever reason, I assumed it was a goal. And obviously there's noise going around. You, you don't quite see what's going on. You're jumping around. And I think that's kind of happening now in the sense that you, as a fan going to the game, even as journalists, because um, a couple of us have been lucky enough to go to the games as journalists, you get that little screen. You're still not seeing what they're seeing in Stockley Park as well. You're not sure what's going on. You compare it to other sports that have influenced it. Like we talked about the cricket. We all saw that in the Ashes uh, in the World Cup this summer. Um, also, you look at how they do it in the Super Bowl. And I, I think one thing that should be done, and I don't understand why it's not being done, is the referees need to be mic'd up mm. and just yeah. talk to us. Just yeah. tell us what's going on. Did you on. hear that? Did you see that game in the Australian uh, Hyundai League where the referee was mic'd up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah, fascinating. Yeah. It was fascinating. 
Absolutely brilliant. So I'd be, I'd be a big advocate of that. I think that's a great show. It did something similar with Brad Friedel being mic'd up in an MLS game. Oh, it was, well, the, super, it was the, the end of season, like, Superstars game, yeah. wasn't oh, it? Oh, the, the All-Stars, yeah, yeah. The best thing about the Stockley Park issue, by the way, the fact that the VIR guys are in Stockley Park, is Stockley Park is at least 45 minutes away from any Premier League ground. And that's by car. So you have to get in a car and drive to it. It would take you 45 minutes. There's a rule that if a player leaves the pitch of play and goes to remonstrate with the VAR officials in Stockley Park, it's an automatic ban. It's a red card. <laughs> but for that to be in place, someone would have to leave the match, get to the car park, get in a car, drive to Stockley Park and have a go at the officials. Yeah, yeah get the Nissan Sony started up. It just kind of shows how little thought through yeah. this has been currently. I think there's no argument. It's got to be VAR <sighs> that Hayes becomes the flop of the year. Right, we're going to take a little break. Steve's got two points. Joe has one point and is yet to get off the mark. Um, good second half. But there's there's plenty of time. We've still got Hero of the Year to come, Best Moment to Come and a prediction for 2019. And we'll do it next on the Football Social Daily 2019 Awards. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily's 2019 Awards. The scores are close. Steve has two points. Joe has one point. Yes. Ant McGinley has zero points. He's very much the Watford of today's award ceremony. We've got a few more awards to come. Everyone's making their nominations. We pick a winner and that individual gets the point. It's a nice positive one yet for 2019 and it is the hero of the year. Steve, you can kick this one off. Uh, with pleasure, Jim. Uh, I'm going to go, and this might surprise some of our regular listeners to the podcast who know my views and how passionate about I am about my team. So, you know, I'm not going to say Jurgen Klopp, which, which I should do. I'm going to say Frank Lampard. Uh, for the simple reason that he's made Chelsea likable again, <laughs> you know, yeah. and he's made his possible task. <laughs> yeah, he's made us take an interest in Chelsea, and in some occasions actually root for them, <laughs> you know, on the pitch because he's gone in. He's not been able to sign any players due to the um, you know uh, misdemeanors of previous yep. uh, management and people in in power at Stamford Bridge, and he's got on with it. He's got these young lads in like Mason Mount. Uh, you know, uh, Hudson Adoy, um, um, uh, Tammy Abram, and um, Reese uh, James, is, it, is, it, is his name? I was to say Reese Mogg then. No, Again, that's a different podcast. That, you know, we will go into the political daily in 2020. I can be real. I'm only joking, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, Frank Lampard, super Frank. He's got him playing good football. Yes, they've, they're on a bit of a, a sticky patch at the minute, but I think they've lost the last three games, haven't mm. they, or four games. Um, but he's galvanised the young squad. He's been adventurous. He's been bold, he's played good football and they've had some tremendous results across the course of the season so far as well. And has currently sat fourth in the Premier League, which I think no one bar this guy uh, <laughs> predicted it back in August. And I think, you know, well done, Frank. Superb, really refreshing that a young British manager has come from Derby County to one of the biggest clubs in European football and done a job. So for me, Frank Lampard? I agree with you. I think he's it's such a difficult task to make me not help, help hate Chelsea. Yeah. And he's kind of done that. A little bit. I'd be interested to see what happens go in January. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like with the previous award we talked about, he's only come in to Chelsea in the summer. But he did a decent job at Derby before that as well. Yeah, we didn't mm. mention that. In his he didn't mention. Oh, sorry, and, and he did a brilliant job with Derby. Uh, the, one he right job Derby. the one thing I will give, I will say in favour of Frank that you've not mentioned is the fine list that he put out. I don't know if you saw this, the list of fines, and he made it very clear. Yeah. So, like, yeah. if you're one minute late for training, it's like. A thousand pounds, and then it goes up by five hundred pounds a minute, and things like work that. do that with me as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, and he's you know he's got a standard. He wants a code of conduct to be going through, and he wants one mission. And I think it's, it, you know what I think if he does well at Chelsea and and they win things, because let's not forget, you know the. Um, uh, you know, they will be kind of like, you know, having good cup runs and they will be kind of picking up plenty of points in the Premier League. But I think he's destined for big things, Frank, because I think... Some England will, manager? Uh, potentially, but I think I think that he may end up with a European job at some point. And you're up. OK, so Top who that. has been the best of the best in 2019? Um, I really struggled with this one because there's two players that I would go for straight away. Um, Sadio Mane. The, uh, <laughs> well, no, just in terms of on-the-field performance... And Trophy Hall, I would go for Bernardo Silva. So obviously with City, you won the Community Shield. What a shock, Shield. eh, Joe? <laughs> Community Shield, Carabao Cup, He's Premier League, <laughs> FA Cup, and the Nations League with Portugal. That's, <sighs> that's a pretty good statistic. Five trophies in one season. Is, there's only one that anyone cares about in that little line. There's <laughs> only the Premier League. Which is Community why, maybe which the is why I, I've moved on to his teammate. Okay. And so I am He's nominating teammate. for Hero of the Year, 
uh, Raheem Shaquille Sterling, right? Not just for his performances for England and Man City. I mean, we always remember that hat trick for, for for England, especially coming off the back of of a World Cup last year when everyone goes, he's not scoring, he's not scoring. He's had an amazing season in terms of his goal haul and his um, he's just his, his work rate, but. Also, it's the work that he's done off the pitch, and he's become a symbol. Is that when he assaulted Joe Gomez, I'll get onto that in a second. <laughs> um, you know, his stance against the racist undertones yeah, in certain areas of the yeah. press is command. The way he handled that as well, you know, the, the, he did the simple comparison with uh, Phil Foden had bought his mum a house, and uh, some of the papers had praised him. And there was a similar story about uh, a, a young blacks player doing the same thing. And it was like, where's his money going? What's mm-hmm. he spending on? Raheem Sterling's been criticised for flying with EasyJet. He's been criticised for flying on a private jet. He's been criticised for buying watches and sports cars. He's been criticised for shopping in Poundland. It just seems to be that there was criticism everywhere. Also, we had the thing with the tattoo the year before as well. He's conducted himself really well. So well, in fact, that Raheem Sterling managed to win something that no other footballer got in 2019. And that is a Blue Peter gold badge. I, thought I was going to say a blankety-blank checkbook and pen. <laughs> Even bigger than that. Now, of course, now you mentioned the Joe Gomez incident. Disgraceful. Right. Well, you know what? That, for me, is, is something there because that is shows Raheem Sterling carrying on the proudest of English traditions in short man syndrome, right? <laughs> in picking a fight with somebody you have no right to go into. Now, we, the other thing is... Especially after the guy had picked you up on the pitch. <laughs> so basically, they, they, they have a fight in the school canteen, and we all saw the pictures of the next day, the scar of Joe Gomez. Now, contrary to the stories, he wasn't punched. That scar that Joe Gomez got, I don't know if you know this, you know how that was caused? It wasn't with the tray with... By Raheem's head. manicured nails. No, it was by Raheem's jewellery. Really? Yeah, that's what actually scratched his forehead. So I did one of his bracelets. I ain't no fool. <laughs> <laughs> so Raheem Sterling, the Mr. T of the Premier League, is my nomination wow, for right. Hero yeah, of the yeah. Year. You I'm going to start one. writing the ants next to the Hero of the Year bit here, Joe. So you need to pull it out of the bag if you're going to come up with a better suggestion than Raheem Sterling. I was going to go with Marcus Rashford, but I don't think he's going to win. So last minute, I'm going to go with... Uh, <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. I want to hear the I'm justification Callum uh, Haynes. he scored slightly more goals than he has in previous seasons. <laughs> Marcus Rashford. Is that, is that the reason? <laughs> Marcus no. Rashford. Marcus Rashford, because at Halloween he was driving around in the car giving twenty quid notes to to kids that were out. <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Who's your nomination, Joe? Who's my, your nomination? Uh, my hero, uh, a lad called Callum Hines. You know who I'm talking about? No. Nope. Oh. The uh, <laughs> the Tottenham right. ball boy who uh, ah, helped Jose yeah. Mourinho's side pick up the vital uh, goal to help them win. I, I think not just about what he did, but for a hero. I think it, it is a lot of things and it's the package of the hero. That ball boy just was there for just doing his normal day. His normal working day, which was to lob balls to players uh, whilst they went out of the pitch. But little did he know that the moment would come for him to step up to the mark. And that's what a hero has to do. That's to step up, guys. <laughs> and do his job. Oh yeah, but do his job, but do his job to the best of his ability. And he knew that he could make a difference in that game. <laughs> that's flaky as... So uh, what he did anything. was... Can we put music under up? this? Yours is Frank Lampard who made Chaz look all right. That's, that's what he has <laughs> Wait, to do. Never made him look all right, did he? <laughs> so he steps up to the mark. He uh, he becomes part of the game, part of the flow of play, to the point that it leads to a Tottenham goal. And then what does a hero do? He, you know, he has his rewards. He's gone round to the Tottenham uh, Tottenham players. He's been part of the the dressing room. Jose Mourinho uh, has given him this hero mantle, and he is probably the most famous ball boy in uh, in sort of the Premier League or in, in the UK. D- D- he must have been fairly intimidated because previously, wasn't it Mourinho had a go at a ball boy yeah. Yeah. as well? Yeah, Hazard used to kick them. <laughs> I think it's a it's a it's a better shout than Marcus Rashford. It's a brave attempt, but I think ball boys will be. I think you've picked too soon. Ball boys will be a 2020 thing because they're coming into fashion at the moment. Yeah, Jose okay. Mourinho praising yeah. them. best ball boy of the year. Duncan Ferguson hugging them. So I yeah. think that'll be a next year trend. So and I think at this season particularly, racism kind of or anti-racism, I should say, needs a voice. And Raheem Sterling is that voice. So I think there is no other winner than Raheem Sterling at McGinley gets his first point on the board. Right, next category is the Roy Keane O'Keane Award. So this is the individual that you'd like to see on the receiving end of a very special Roy Keane tackle. And this one, you can go first, Steve. So I have two. So I'm going to let you kind of pick for me because I'm... The worst one. Kind of... Yeah. Um, so my first one is is the whole of Serie A after the news that actually broke yesterday. Um, I think that... Or a couple of weeks ago, because you won't be listening to this podcast the day it's been recorded. 
But yeah, <laughs> that as well. Yeah. But uh, the news that, uh, of the artwork that has been done by, uh, you know, no disrespect to the artist whose name has escaped me for the time being. Um, but I just think that when it comes to kind of race, race, racism, equality, and welfare of, of players that have moved to Italy or, or from, from Italy, they just do not have a clue on on what is acceptable and what is beyond the realms of, of just highly offensive. And I think in light of the recent image that come out that had the, the chimpanzees on with the with the colours mm. that, that are on, I think that is an absolute disgrace. And I think it is a league that is littered with with uh, fans, you know, racially abusing other other players from other teams in there were you know, CEOs come out and say, well, I never heard that or, or it's been blown up out of proportion or it's been misunderstood. Or it's or, a sign of respect. Or it's a sign of one respect. one of the accusations boos towards a black player. It's a sign of respect. As a collective, if you're a, a team owner, whether you're what the press over there with the recent Black Friday yeah. uh, headline had Chris Smalling and Romelu Lukaku on it. And now this, this artwork that's come out and I just think, I, I seen the artwork recently and it was the final straw for me with that league and I just think, incredibly offended by it all and I think that the players that are playing the trade in that league and doing extremely well in that league I think don't deserve treatment like that and I am outraged by it uh, like I say and I think Serie A as a whole is, is needs a very keen tackle. I think it's a really strange scenario because sh- surely Serie A haven't gone out and deliberately made this connection and gone this is something that we like the, the connection between having pictures of apes and racism that they can't have consciously made that decision and this is an artist who works with and they've said that they're going to keep the pictures basically. pictures up on the wall haven't they it's, in, it's insane it, it's like you one know, of those ones you can't quite work out what's going on in your head if you're if you're inherently racist and you can't see the things that you do are as offensive as that that's a massive problem and I think there's a, a huge amount of re-education that needs to be put in into that country uh, and don't get me wrong they are not the only one you know because if you go into kind of like what the England players had in Bulgaria mm. and in uh, in Kosovo as well I think to a lesser extent um, it, it's something that needs eradicating unless people start coming down really hard on Serie A and the clubs in it and banning press from coming to like say for example if you know, um, they wouldn't be allowed into a Premier League ground for a Champions League tie or Europa League tie. Unless we start putting sanctions on teams and docking them points and having an impact on where they finish in the league, it's ne- it's not it's just gonna it's not gonna change. Uh, so that was one of them, and the other one was was uh, Duncan Ferguson for <laughs> for the antics in the game at Old Trafford when I think uh, he ruined uh, a, a young boy who's coming to this country to try and play his trade and I think what he did to Moise Keane was absolutely unforgivable in his quest to show that he was a big hard man and he won't take any kind of messing on the pitch and you know so it's, mm. it's one I'll let you decide Jim well I think it's very difficult oh. to ignore the, ignore the Syria mm. I think I think also as well like you know if one man's going to survive a Roy Keane tackle it's going to be Duncan Ferguson as well so it's a waste of a tackle this, yeah. is, this is very true <laughs> um, but to be honest with you Steve you've already got two points in the bag if I give you the Kino's tackle award then that's pretty much the competition over. Well, so, so what, I've won it early. <laughs> for, the, for the benefit of keeping it interesting, we need either Ant or, Ant or uh, Joe to pull this out of the bag. So, Joe, get pulling. Ashley Young. <laughs> Give me the point. Let's move on. Uh, no, I, doesn't I, matter if he's actually tackled or not either, does it? Because he's going to fall over yes. in a dramatic style. I do think that if Keane was, was, was playing with uh, Young, and I'll throw him maybe... Phil Jones in there and players that aren't up to the Manchester United scratch of the past where Keane would have been playing and would have expected high standards then they probably would have been on the receiving end of a tackle maybe in training so these guys uh, count themselves lucky they weren't playing for Manchester United uh, 15 years ago um, I, I say these these guys with a bit of like oh, have a laugh about it but they are players that you scratch your head and you wonder how have they still got contracts at Manchester United so if there was any way of me feeling a bit better about that, it was to see these players who are earning a living from my club on a very high money getting a big old tackle by uh, Roy Keane, who I'm sure still scratches his head about why they might be at the club as well. So Is he still goal. club captain, Ashley Young? Uh, club, uh, club, club captain, yeah. So when he when he's on the pitch, he will play uh, as captain for United, which is, again, crazy. Um, Maguire covering for him when he's not. So, yeah, give, it, give him a good old Roy Keane tackle, please. And um, I'm going to nominate someone or something that's already been nominated today. Uh, and in fact, won something as well. Because uh, to nominate one person to be on the end of a Roy Keane-esque tackle, 
it's going to be one location and whoever happens to be in that location at that time. So my nomination is Stockley Park. And here's what I'm putting <laughs> forward. I just like once to let Roy Keane loose in that control room. We kill the power, open the door, <laughs> throw him in, lock the door for five minutes, let him out again. Nobody ever talks about what happened or who died. But I can tell you this, VAR would be sorted afterwards. And as it's Christmas as well, why not? We make it pay-per-view. Right? And all the money goes to charity. There we go. You just hold him out there. Don't feed him for a couple of hours. Throw him in. And honest to God, that would sort VAR. I think it's a great shout. And I love the idea that Roy Keane off camera would be more aggressive than he is on camera. Because I'm convinced <laughs> when you watch Monday Night Football, that it's going to break into a brawl at any moment in the Sky TV studio. So for the sake of the competition, and I think Syria deserves more than a Roy Keane tackle. As well, don't do it to me, Jim. They need something more. Yeah, go away to me, Jim. Yeah. So you just tell me to go away. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking, it's hard to go away, isn't it? When we're doing a podcast, what do you want me to do? The doors <laughs> over there. And having a storming second half is getting oh, come his on. second. This is point. like Istanbul in 2005. Ah, oh, nice one, mate. That brings us on. VAR there. gets the key. <laughs> right, last one. This one, the award that could decide it. Joe could equalise. Steve could nick it. Ant could nick it. Oh, I'm not getting the that. best moment of 2019, please. And Joe, it's your turn to go first. Right, well, I'm only going to go for one, and you know, you might outshrunk me in your ones because, but just for a United <laughs> fan, it was the best moment in 2019, and there's no looking past it. It was our comeback against uh, PSG, um, uh, and it all built up to a Marcus Rashford last minute penalty. Uh, VAR so ha- helpful in that, in a way, so let's not slide tackle them. Um, but it was, a, it was a big game uh, for Solskjaer, his first sort of Champions League run out against uh, Paris Saint Germain didn't go too well. They pick up to uh, all uh, the pick up the win at Old Trafford. Uh, there was celebrations from Di Maria there was all sorts of is this where the, the cookie you know crumbles is this where United fall down um, and then we went away to uh, to PSG and we uh, scored two quick goals Lukaku uh, actually playing like a striker for the for, for a change uh, he brings on the likes of Greenwood and Chong young kids onto the pitch for the final five minutes to see what they can muster up and uh, a penalty falls United's way they score it and they get through to the next round so that penalty moment for me was moment of the year the, the away uh, win in you know, Champions I'm League. I'm amazed about that Joe has got his laptop open reading all this <clears> and his preparation for this was a load of Man United answers that are flaky as <laughs> anything. That, I mean, that is, that, is, <laughs> that is not worthy of the award, mate, let me tell and you. And I say, when you see my laptop, read that what that says there. Do you think I've got preparation? It says PSG, <laughs> PSG away in the Champions League. That's all it says, Steve. It, does that and mean you couldn't from... remember the three that is PSG? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just <laughs> I just want remember the sure. team name. Uh, and I would be amazed if Jim gives you that, I'm going to be honest. Only Joe would be upset by the accusation that he's done some preparation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, what would you go for as a United fan then for your moment of the year? I'm not going to go for when Liverpool I, 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 tell you, I tell you what I go for oh, as my go. moment of the year as a Man United fan is going to be 11.59pm and 59 seconds on New Year's Eve because the year's over what a bit of a laugh I like it just being 2-1 in a Manchester PSG game which was a, a dramatic night for Manchester United and it was an incredible performance but at the same time that was the last good yeah. thing that happened to oh, Manchester United that. that's why yeah. it's moment of the year and it kind of like well, tailed away and that caused Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get the contract which maybe you shouldn't have got so there's a little tinge of regret surely about that result as well no I love it love it are you hugging the teddy bear I'm hugging a hot water bottle I've got a bad back back. right and moment of the year please Um, I'm going to take you to the actual moment the exact moment Uh, should we close our eyes yeah close your eyes eyes. so it's a warm who's touching me summer's (laughs) evening and we're going back to 9.28pm on the 6th of May 2019 we're at the Etihad it's the penultimate game of the season Leicester City on their way to becoming the team that we've seen them in the Premier League this season with a really mean defence it's really tense nothing's happening even with all the attacking talent that they've got City cannot break them down and once again Sergio Aguero makes history but this time it's not about what Sergio did it's about what he said 73 minutes into that game Amaric Laporte plays the ball square to City captain Vincent Company. He's 257 yards out from goal. Vinny takes one touch. Looks like he's going to shoot. And then Aguero shouts those five words that have become an instant legend. Jumpers and t-shirts. No, Vinny, no. Don't shoot. All the drama of a Shakespearean play. He doesn't shoot. Instead, he takes one more touch 
looks up, he sees there's nothing on, there's no pass option. But nobody's closing him down. Then he hits the ball with the power of someone's dad playing with an under-7s team. Top bins, right in there. A little bit of swerve, a little bit of curve. Ball recorded at 137 miles an hour. <laughs> it's a passionate argument and a good story, but... 257 yards from goal. <laughs> it felt like that. It was. I'm just. I'm just elaborating a little bit for the drama. You had your eyes closed. Football pitch is 100 yards long. The size <laughs> of the goal of, on some the, of them. Are. It was on the training pitch. <laughs> the last time Vinnie Jones scored a goal outside the box. Vinnie was Jones. Fa- Vinnie Jones. <laughs> Vinnie Company. <laughs> He's only been gone six months. He forgot his name. <laughs> That's football. It's the training That's... pitch name. <laughs> last training pitch he was on when he took the shot. <laughs> exactly. Last bit. Last time company scored. I mean, he's got a lot of great goals from most of them have been with his head. The last time he actually scored a goal from outside of the box was playing for Hamburg in 2007. So that's how unexpected <clears throat> that goal was. And that set it up, brought us into that last game with everything in our hands and ultimately led to a season where we won it by a point. Steve, you've got okay. to the bag. Okay. <laughs> uh, of 2019. So I think as a Liverpool fan, Winning the Champions League was obviously incredible, and to win it for six times, maybe in one day, aren't you? Might you know feel what that's like uh, to win the biggest prize in club football in the world. Uh, so we won it six times, but the it was the game before the final for me. That is the moment of the year. So Liverpool, uh, I've played in the new Camp the week before and been beaten three uh, nil. Messi on fire. Uh, it wasn't a three nil game. We were very unlucky to to be beaten three nil. Um, but it was all to play for at Anfield. So, come into Anfield, Messi, Suarez, etc., etc., rocking, thinking, we've got this in the bag and we'll score to make sure that we go through. And what we've seen from some of the greatest players in world football was a complete mental collapse. And I think we've seen an irresistible Liverpool team who were bright, aggressive, inventive, and with a will that they weren't going to be beaten after conceding three goals in the new Camp and that they were actually going to make their way to the final in Madrid at the uh, Wanderlei uh, Metropolitano mm. um, in, on the 1st of June. And I think to put in that display against arguably one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world at the time, and come over with a 4-0 victory and a clean sheet was nothing short of incredible. And I think it was the arguably one of the greatest Champions League nights in history for any neutral fan or indeed any Liverpool fan. So for me, I think Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0 at Anfield in May was the moment of the year. When you say arguably, is the argument being conducted by a drunk man in a scouse boozer? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think, you know, to, even if you took the City goggles off and the blue suit, um, I think you'd say fair play to Liverpool. Uh, you know, they've had no salary in the team on the night. Firmino was on the bench and they've gone in. Origi scored two, Juan Aldum scored two and they've just Trent Alexander-Arnold for the, on the, the corner for the fourth goal where he's took it quickly. Everything there, it was just magical and I think you know we have plenty of nights like that we're quite fortunate in that respect that there is a bit of a mystique about us in that competition but I think to kind of do that to Barcelona and the documentary that's coming out on Amazon showing how Jordi Alba crying in the dressing room at half time and the shell shock across the whole squad as they sat in the dressing room in Anfield after the game I think for me undoubtedly moment of the year so the issue I have here is Steve is too points and it's got two points joe's got one point so if i give you this steve you've wit you're, you're what's you the problem win. with me winning you're, you're only it's a bit mean to because, be honest you're you, just picking on someone i don't for know crying why i don't know why i did this podcast i don't know why i did this podcast i'm sat here right now going why did i do this podcast why did you just as a united, united fan there was nothing worse than what i've just been through for the last hour no... oh you're going over how great your clubs are your two moments were really good fair play i'm sat here celebrating a champions league away win so you got from a penalty. <laughs> from a penalty. The trouble with, if I give it to Steve as well, is he's just proved how unbearable his lot are when they win anything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it this competition. You which... can't, but, you know, in terms of great goal by Vinnie Company, and certainly as a Liverpool fan, oh, yeah. that was like a dagger in the heart when that happened because we thought we were on for the nil-nil and we're winning the league on go- you know, on goal difference or by a point, whatever it was. And, um, I mean, you're not even in a conversation, Joe. Give it to Rashford. Getting a, you know, getting a penalty against PSG and, you know, winning 3-2 in the last minute just because OGS is I mean, in the, a, the thing know. is... The, the, as a Liverpool fan, I understand your desperation to win something. So I'm happy to be the champions, mate. Yeah. All right. So you don't want the Premier League then? 
Uh, yeah, well, I think we're in a good position to win it. <laughs> yeah. But we shall see. It's still a lot of games to go, my friend. Yeah. Okay. What was that word you just used? Complete mental collapse? Word, well, Barcelona had a complete mental collapse, yeah. Whatever way you look at it, from Germany, from France, from Portugal, from Spain, uh, you know, if you're not a Barcelona fan, that was extremely satisfying. I think, I think it's very difficult to see past. I think it's the kind of moment that football fans mm. live for. And if you're not a Liverpool fan, you might not have enjoyed, enjoyed it as a neutral quite as much as you think you did, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but, Look at Joe. Joe's going to tattoo I'm going to take Jim to Anfield it. because this guy suffers. Please, but I appreciate that, Jim. Thank you very much, my friend. Right, so Steve has the point. That's three to Steve, two to Ant, one to Joe. Steve McNaughton is our winner of the uh, Football Social Daily 2019 Awards. Before we go, boys, I want very quickly a prediction for 2020 from you when we come back and do this next year you'll get an extra point if your prediction is bang on we've all got to be here first <laughs> it's a big ask isn't it? <laughs> so uh, you can go first as you're the winner Steve winner's honour you can make your prediction for 2019 my prediction for, for 2020 2020 20, sorry to correct still don't believe it's 2020 yeah. if it's not flying cars I'm not interested my uh, and, and I am actually quite sad about this and, and you won't like this and, well, I think I know what you're going to say. I, I think it's completely opposite to what I'm going to say. Well, that's been like that whole podcast. <laughs> I, know. No. I think that. Uh, <laughs> I apologise because I realise I've said the F word three times yeah, today. Right. So Jim's going to have a job at editing it. But, <laughs> uh, my prediction is Pep that goes at the end of the season and there's, there's a rebuild starts at Man City because I think oh. um, legendary team legendary squad one of the best coaches in world football but I think the it feels like the cycle has come to an end and I think with Man City being having the class they are and the size of the club and the ambition that they've got I think I just think they'll go again mm-hmm. uh, and it'll be kind of Man City you know 2.0 or 3.0 depending on you know and I think that's what'll happen and I think you know when the time does come for, for Pep to you know to leave the Premiership like I've said many times on the podcast we'll be worse off for it because he's been an absolute breath of fresh air. Um, you know, him and Jürgen have, have certainly transformed football in this country for the better. And, you know, I, I, I would wish him well, uh, but I, it just feels to me like the, the end is in sight. And um, it'd be interesting to see who gets appointed next and the type of players that they sign because they'll go big in summer. I think it's a fair prediction that, Joe, your prediction for 2020? My prediction, although it pains me to say it, and it's kind of in the build-up to your uh, Pep Guardiola we might leave. Yeah, it involves Marcus Rashford season. scoring more goals. Sadly, <laughs> it doesn't. Spot. I think City might go all the way in the Champions League this year. Ooh, yeah, I, do. I think City might go all the way in the Champions League this year, and they might just win it. Now, I say just because obviously I want to fall back on this statement if it's completely incorrect, but there's something about this season, and there's something about Pep, and yes, he might leave, and the, the two things might work hand in hand. He might win the Champions League, and then he might bow out but I do there's something about City this year I think they're going to have a very rough ride obviously Madrid next in the in the in the Champions League they could beat Real Madrid they could beat Real Madrid and hopefully then you never know they could go on a run and there's just something because I feel like they've wanted it so much mm. uh, and they've just been so there's something about their desires this season it doesn't seem like they want it as much and that just might help them float the way to the top and into a final there's a focus shift almost yes. away from the Premier League towards yes there is else. And that's what I'm going to go with a predictor. See you mm. in the Champions League 2020. Mate, I really hope they do because I bought this blue suit five years ago just for that occasion. <laughs> I'm getting too fat for it now. Um, uh, in terms of what you just said about the, the change of management, I, I don't think that's really a bold statement because um, I, I pretty much guarantee um, that 12 months from now, 75% of Premier League managers will not be in the job that they're in. Um, it's kind of worse odds than playing Russian roulette. And probably less pressure, well, slightly more pressure as well. But my prediction for next season is that the FA are going to reach the end of the 2019-20 season and they'll conduct a root and branch review of the whole VAR system. They're going to have no other option because of the uproar that it's caused, the trauma. There is support for it in theory. The way it's been executed is not very good. However, I think what they're going to do is they're going to decide a couple of things. First of all, they're going to decide that actually the system itself works pretty well they maybe just need slightly more high definition cameras so when they zoom in and see things they need to be a little clearer on more the rules cameras that are more accurate than three mm. centimeters i think is the current definition yeah on an offside mm. call mm. they i i think it's that mental. they they need, need need to improve those they need to improve the rules and the understanding of what the rules around handball and offside are but most importantly they need to listen to the feedback from the fans, the match-going fans especially, and provide them with a better experience. However, my prediction is that they're going to decide 
to, in the interest of making it more transparent and opening it up, they're going to turn it into a voting system using a premium rate text number <laughs> <laughs> for the match going fans to decide. Was it offside? Was it on? Like they do on the X Factor, just Find to make more money. Break. <laughs> that would be great news for Manchester United, Joe. Yes, with the fan base be. having a VAR based on voting okay, that could <laughs> be your got way back the, into the big time they've only got half of the ones left now haven't they <laughs> yeah. right that is it for the Football Social Daily 2019 awards thank you very much for listening as you have done throughout 2019 make sure you continue to listen in 2020 because we will be here every single day giving you the latest Premier League news and views Steve our champion thank you very much and congratulations nice one thank you gentlemen Joanne, thank you very much Been for playing as pleasure. well I won the second half have a great Christmas and a great New Year Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.